Good morning. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to preach on this subject. Um, I'd like to pray before we get started. Thank you, Lord, for everyone here today. And thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. Because your word says that when we gather in your name, you are with us. I pray, Lord, that as we preach the word about your word, that each one of us would receive it according to the measure that you have for us today. I know there's not a person in this room that does not need to be ministered today by your word and impacted today by your word. And so I thank you, Lord, for those who are here. Let them have ears to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. So, many of you know that as a church, we are going through this book called Habits for Our Holiness. And basically, it is a teaching of the spiritual disciplines, of spiritual disciplines that we should have in our life so that we, the Bible says that we are saved by faith. The Bible says that we must be born again. And so for, for those who are in the faith, there is this moment where you have become reconciled to the Father through the blood of Jesus, and you became born again. The author in this book talks about that many people don't see Bible study like something that's very exciting. That many, for many people, study, the word study sounds too much like work. And kind of in our random pop culture, they talk about in this book, how we're able to receive so many so much different information, so quickly, so easily, random topics all over the board, some more interesting than others, that that's how people like to receive their information today versus real, meaningful, effortful study. And the author purports that if you don't know God's word, your faith won't grow. And I would agree with that. I'm going to set this book down so it's out of my way. Many of you know I kind of get moving sometimes. So, what I want to do today is I want to kind of give a brief introduction of this awesome book. I want to give you about seven motivations for why we study the Bible. And then I want to talk about how we study the Bible. And I probably won't get into the very end, but which is key principles regarding Bible study. And I haven't made them for everyone, but I have made copies of this teaching. 
So again, I know we won't get through all of it. It's, it's a nice outline here. There are about 25 copies in there. If anybody wants to come and grab one after the service, there it is. So, how, I, I want to give you my take on this book. Just a brief couple comments, things to think about. So the Bible has transformed the world. It is the most accurate book of antiquity. It contains the most important message you will ever hear. It is a love letter written to you by your creator. It is the best resource for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. It contains practical instruction for every area of your life. And finally, and most importantly, it connects you to history's most important figure and shows you how to have a personal relationship with him. For many, the topic of God and faith, I, I travel a lot in Latin America, for example, and I know a lot of wonderful people down there who are people of faith. They believe in God. But many times, it kind of stops there. They see God as this distant figure who is kind of far away and doesn't want to know us in a personal way or perhaps us to know him in a personal way, which is why he's provided this for us, so that we can know him. He has provided us with this wonderful 66 book compilation of books that were inspired by him, inspired by his Holy Spirit. And there is a measure of, I knew a man who was not a man of faith, but he was a great man of literature, and he told me that he read the Bible from front to back every year. However, I will say that there is a measure of understanding that will never come to someone if they do not approach God's word with faith. And when you talk about why do you study the Bible, and again, I'm going to talk about seven reasons, okay? There's many, many more, but these are just seven that I want to talk to you about. Number one is that so you would have faith. We learn in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Without hearing the Word of God, we would not have faith. Now granted, you can observe, you can have general understanding, you can have general revelation that we have a Creator simply by thinking about all of the things that we see around us. For crying out loud, think about your own human body, how organized it is. You see, there is order in your body. There is order in the universe. 
That is not some random thing. It is calculated, it is planned, it was created in that way. You have to approach the study of the Word with a measure of faith, or you will never fully understand it. And how many, how many areas of your life do you need to apply faith to? Is there anyone here today struggling with their health? Is there anyone here today struggling with relationships? Is there anyone here today struggling with your finances? Is there anyone here today struggling with direction in your life? Where do you want to start and where do you want to stop applying faith to your life and applying God's word to your life? So faith comes from hearing the word of God. And if you lack faith, I would encourage you to read the word of God. I'm 47. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 40, 16. So it's been 31 years now, and I still have to approach each day with his word. If I don't, I begin to shrink back. I begin to lose faith. I begin to lose hope. I begin to get too sassy with my wife. Think about all the areas of your life that are impacted negatively if you're not studying and understanding the Word of God and literally being transformed by the Word of God, which gets into another motivation, which is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That scripture is a mouthful, and it's a mindful I want to skip back. What I had listed here is my second motivation. I didn't want to share it until I first shared number three. Number two, the goal of biblical instruction, which is talked about in 1 Timothy, is really three things. That you would have love from a pure heart. That you would have a good conscience. And that you would have sincere faith. So study God's word, get to know God's word, so that you can love better. You can have a clean conscience. Have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night with fear and anxiety and worry because of something that's going on in your life that needs to be corrected, straightened, like a wrinkled shirt ironed out by the Word of God. Have you ever had that? Raise your hands. I have. 
Three o'clock in the morning. I don't know why, but that's my time with the Lord. If he's got something that he wants to knock on the door of my heart about, he always makes me up about 3, 3.15 in the morning and won't let me go back to bed. So study God's word so that your life, your thoughts, your actions are aligned with him and you may live in good conscience. The opposite of that, and, and this is kind of a bonus, it really wasn't in here, but the Bible says that a joyful heart is good medicine. That was, James, that was uh, Livingston's, the great Scottish missionary who, who hit Africa back in the 1700s, battling river fever most of the time he was there, sickness and illness. That was one of his favorite scriptures. He would plod on through the day and trudge on through the jungles, remembering that a joyful heart is good medicine. Literally, a joyful heart, a clean, which I would say is the result of a clean conscience, brings healing to your body, to your mind, to your relationships. It brings about change. Back to point number three. The Word of God is living and active. Have you ever noticed that you can open up the Bible to a scripture that appears to literally jump off the page and into your heart? Have you ever had that happen by show of hands? It's because it's a living Word. Have you ever been out and shared the Word with someone I've shared the word with people who are about to undo violence on one another and literally had the Holy Spirit just calm them down. Because the living word is powerful. A friend of mine was preaching one time in South America and a man took a knife and came running up down the corridor, and people just kind of parted. They were all shocked. Ran up to him with this knife, I assumed to use it on him, and he set his Bible down on the ground as the guy's coming, and he commanded him in the name of Jesus to just stop. And the guy just stopped, threw his knife down, and started weeping. The Word of God is powerful. It can penetrate your heart. It can penetrate the heart of others around you. When Carrie Don and I were in Costa Rica several years ago on our honeymoon, we were going into this area over on the Caribbean side, which you know that movie Pirates of the Caribbean? There's something to be said about the Caribbean. It's full of pirates, even today. And I mean that in different senses of the word. But if you go over to the Caribbean today, there's a lot of voodoo, there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of violence. You go to, that side, you go to the Caribbean side of any country in Latin America, and you're going to notice a difference. You just will. And she could sense it as we were getting closer. And people had warned us about going over there, and she was kind of feeling this anxiety. And she started quoting her scripture, which is, That's right. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And after, after repeating that scripture half a dozen times, literally, it was, like going, it was like a change in direction. 
Peace just came over her. Peace came over her. Why? Because God's word is powerful, isn't it? It says in the scripture that no creature is hidden from the sight of the Lord, but all are naked and exposed to him. I don't know what you think about when you hear that. We really can't hide from God. We can play games with one another. We can hide who we are to our fellow mankind somewhat, although it eventually catches up with us, doesn't it? But you can't hide anything from the Lord. He knows your thoughts. It says in Psalm 139, he knows your words before they come out of your mouth. He knows what you're going to do before you get up out of bed and what you've done when you go to bed at night. He knows everything you're going through, good or bad. If you're going through a serious struggle in your life today, don't think that he doesn't know it. And don't think that he is not waiting there for you to simply look up, turn to him, and run like a child with your arms open into his arms. The Bible says that the Lord is like a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they're saved. You had to do that recently, didn't you, Bob? You had to, when your house burnt down a few months ago, you had to run in to the tower of the Lord. And y'all, he and Jess, you'd have been amazed by their peace. You'd have been amazed by the way they handled that time. They lost everything they had, practically. You'd have been amazed. Why? Because they are man and woman of God, and they're inclined to his word. They believe in his word, and they study his word, and they try as best they can to apply it toward their lives. When, when we lost mom... Several years ago, now it's been about 12, 13 years ago, she was only 58. And I wrestled with that. I wrestled with, why didn't you heal her, Lord? Because I, I got to see him heal so many people. And I literally thought he was going to heal her cancer. And ultimately, he did heal her because he gave her a new body. She got to go into his presence and glory. So really, she got the ultimate healing. But do you know what gave me comfort? As I wrestled with that, is I looked up God's word and I understood what it had to say about heaven and what it had to say about the reality of heaven and what goes on in heaven and who we are in heaven and who he is to us in heaven. And then I realized, wow, she's in an awesome situation right now. And it gave me peace and it gave me comfort because I applied that little tidbit of the word do you know from head to toe, head to toe, the Bible talks about everything. Talks about your thoughts. Talks about what you put your eyes on, what you don't do with your eyes. Talks about your mouth. What you shouldn't do with your mouth. What you should bless others, don't curse them. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Serve others with your hands. Don't be violent. Let your feet chase after the gospel. Literally. I mean, the Bible is so practical. It is so full of good instruction. Number four. 
Motivation number four. We're told to preach the word and to be ready in season and out of season to be able to reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. You see, when you know the word of God, number one, you can stand in the mirror and it can do all those things. It can exhort you. It can correct you. But when you know the word of God, you can also take it and like a cup of water to people in the desert, you can pour it to them, give them a drink. Tony, hand me your cup. I'll just pour a little in there. And guess what? It is a spring of living water that never, ever runs dry. So you can share it and take it with you everywhere you go, anywhere you go, and pour out nuggets of truth to people as they need them. There is a direct correlation between your understanding of the Bible. Do do you know that the more you understand God's word, you will become like this magnet? You will. Why was King Solomon a magnet that queens would come to visit him and pay him homage? Why? Because he had wisdom and discernment and understanding that he could pour out unto others. And God wants to do that with you. Check out the first few chapters of Proverbs. How many business owners do we have in here? Jeff? You know, the Proverbs are full of good, basic instruction on how to run your business. It's crazy. And you can look in there and find things, and literally they'll jump off the page to you and start applying them to your work. Leadership. The Bible has a lot to say about leadership. Which, by the way, you may be a leadership, you may be a leader in this room because of positional authority, and you may be a leader in this room because of influential authority. Don't sell yourself short. If you don't have positional authority, but you've always had this pull in your heart that you're a leader, probably because you are. Preach the word. Preach the word. And what, listen, I want to define that for a moment because not everybody gets to stand here up at a nice fancy pulpit. I preach the word all the time. I rarely do it from a pulpit. I'm going to say that again. I preach the word all the time. I rarely do it from a pulpit. Your audience may be one person, three people, 30 people, 50 people. Sometimes you fish with with a fishing pole one at a time. And sometimes the Lord gives you a net to throw out there and pull in a bunch of fish. You can fish either way. But he's called you to fish. He's called you to know his word and to share it with others. Because they need it! Number five. All scripture is breathed out by God. I want you to say that. All scripture is breathed out by God. Do you believe it? 
I mean, you, I'm sure you believe it on the surface, but do you believe it all the way down to your heart so that you're going to like thirst to know what his word has for you that day? Or dare I say, in that moment? Can you go to what? Do you just go to God's word in the morning when you get up or at night when you go to bed? Or can you go there all the time? Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. That man of God, man and women of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. How many of you in this room, by show of hands, want to be complete and equipped for good works? Keep them up there. I want to pray on this one real quick. I pray, Jesus, that everyone here in the sound of my voice would be completed and equipped by your word for good works. <clears throat> Reason number six. In Psalm 119, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young woman? How can an old man? How can an old woman? How can anybody keep their way pure? The answer to that is by guarding it according to your word. The only way you can ensure that your way is kept pure is by having it guarded by the Word of God. And sometimes the Word of God does fall at your feet. It does. Sometimes He'll send someone along the way to just smack you in the chest with His Word. But why not purposefully look for it? And y'all, by the way, as, as I'm, I'm getting emphatic about a few things, but I also am emphatic about myself. I can't stand it when I go for two or three days and I don't get in God's word. I, can't, I don't like it. I don't like who I become. I don't like where my thoughts go. I can get so distracted by my business that I run. It's not even funny. Just ask my family. It's terrible. It's intense. But when I stay in the word... All those things just can shrink because you have a different set of priorities. You understand what's really important, don't you? Number seven. Why do we study God's word? It says in 1 Timothy 4.1, so that we do not depart from the faith. And if you don't like that word... It says in the New American Standard, so that we don't fall away from the faith. And it says in the NIV, so that we do not abandon the faith. But the point is, if you think that you can separate yourself from God's word and stay on this amazing walk with God, you're just kidding yourself. Other side of the page. How to study the Bible. This is interesting. 
There's lots of approaches on how to study the Bible. Mike Bickle down at IHOP has this wonderful teaching on how to study the Bible. Anne Graham Lotz has this wonderful teaching on how to study the Bible. Uh, John Pye, lots of people have wonderful things about how to study the Bible. I want to get less into methodology here, and I want to go to Psalm 119 and see what it has to say about how to study the Bible, okay? And I am getting older, so I have to get out my glasses. Alec is concurring. So, I've got about 14 things on this list about how to study the Bible. I doubt I'll get through all of them today, but I might. What time is it, Dan? I don't wear a watch intentionally. I just don't, you know, I'm going to preach. Thank you. How to study the Bible. So, Psalm 119, verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So I would argue the very first and most important principle of how to is that you approach it with a little bit of zeal. That you approach studying the Bible with your whole heart. You get that? How many things compete with our time in a day? Chase after the Bible. Chase after God's instruction with a whole heart. Amen? Number two is found in verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we have a whole heart as we study God's word and we store it up in our heart. We store up God's word. God's word becomes a part of us, we store it up in our heart. We store it up in our mind. Psalm 119.12 says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I want to ask you to do something if you don't already do it when you study the Bible. Pray and ask the Lord to be guided by His Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom and understanding and comprehension as you read His Word. And the Holy Spirit will bless you in that way. He really will. I have seen Him do that for me time after time after time. So make it a habit to enlist the help of the Lord as you study His Word. Is that a deal? The, and, and by the way, I don't believe that's the only way that God teaches us His Word, does He? He also teaches us through experience. Have you ever read a scripture 
Say you read a scripture five years ago, and then something happened in your life, and you read that scripture later, and it takes on a new meaning. It takes on a more profound meaning because of what has happened to you in your life. I would also say that a third part of that is it also changes as your relationship deepens with Christ. So the deeper your relationship is with Christ, the easier it is for the Lord to teach you his word. Do you agree with that? So God teaches us his word, but I'm going to say kind of three subtitles there, is he teaches us through his Holy Spirit as we, as we read his word. He teaches us through life experiences as we interpret, then we reinterpret and continue to study his word. And then thirdly, he teaches us his word as we get a deeper, more profound relationship with Christ. Number four, I think we should talk about the scriptures. I think we should share the scriptures. It says in Psalm 119, 13, with my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In other words, I talk about it. Whether that's sharing them with others, having them in a conversation in the context of a Bible study, for example. You know, it's a healthy thing, and you should study the Word of God on your own. But it's also a pretty interesting dynamic when you study the Word of God with others, which I'm going to put a quick plug in. Roy and I teach this Bible study class on Sundays here at the church at 9 a.m. We also have other studies throughout the week that you, if, you don't, if you're not aware of them, you can talk to Pastor B about it or Trish, and they can get you plugged in. But we have one right here in this place of worship every Sunday morning. If you just want to show up at 9 a.m., we just meet here in one of the rooms, and you're welcome to come. So we talk about the Word, and it helps us to learn it. Doesn't that make sense? Did you ever use flashcards when you were in college or high school to study with a partner, and you literally are just you know, kind of talking back and forth about the subject you're trying to learn. It's helpful. And of course, as the evangelist, I'll give you one more take on that. As we declare the word, as we go out and we share it with others. As we go out and talk about God and Jesus to other people. You know, you can steer almost any conversation into the way of spiritual matters. You really can. Not that you have to do it every time you go out and talk to people. But if you will begin to make a habit of doing that, back to that magnet principle, people will be drawn to you because they're thirsty. And they're hurting. 
And they're looking for solutions. Number five says, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. So, what is my take on that? Delight in it. Get excited about it. Find pleasure in it. Find pleasure, delight in the Word of God. We normally do things that we enjoy. Right? So start finding enjoyment in studying the Word of God. Number six, think about the Word of God. It says in verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will meditate on your precepts. You know, a lot of times, I don't know why, but we've begun to think in Western society that meditation kind of has to do with this Eastern yoga type spiritualism. You can meditate on anything you want. In fact, I'll gather that you do. If you don't have the Word of God in your heart, you're going to meditate on things all day long. Things that oftentimes aren't so healthy. Guys, you ever meditate on things you shouldn't meditate on? Well, if you get the Word of God in your mind and in your heart, be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Why have I tried to memorize those scriptures? Like Carrie, she applies that scripture to her life. I have scriptures I need to apply to my own. And so do you. Not only do we meditate on it, but I think we should meditate on it day and night. Because his word says that. And that gets back to what I said earlier. In, in, in verse 15, Psalm, we're still in Psalm 119, by the way. I encourage you to go to Psalm 119 and start at about 10 and read all the way down to 20. And right there you'll find lots of good instruction on how to study the Word of God. On his law, he meditates day and night. So, listen, I think it's great to have a habit, and if you're one of those people that says, I'm going to get up and study the Word every day in the morning at 6.30, and here's when I'm going to do it. I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with that discipline. But, if that's all you do, now I'm going to push you just a little harder. I'm going to say, okay, now take one more step and try to do that off and on throughout the day and see how that works for you. See how it works when you are in his scripture day and night. Amen? Number eight. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So we're thinking about it. We're meditating on it. And then what's the next step? We are Memorizing it. I'm amazed at my brother Fred. Because he, if you ever sit down and talk to him about the word of God, he's memorized quite a bit of it. And I think he has a gift for it. But if if you talk to him, it sounds like it's also through hard work. So we memorize it. 
9, 10, and 11, just real quickly, they're pointed out in the book, so I'm not going to get into them too heavily, but it talks about recognizing just the Bible's overall themes. It talks about knowing the context of what you are reading. It talks about asking the right questions. Now, in the book, they left out a few questions that I think are really important, so I'm going to give you a couple other questions to think about. I think that you should ask yourself when you read the Bible, how does this truth affect my relationship with Jesus? What is it that I am reading here that I need to maybe realign something in my life that will then give me a deeper relationship with Christ? I think that's a good question, don't you? I think another good question is, how do I need to adjust my thoughts or actions after reading the scripture, which is kind of similar to what I just said, but a little different. You've read this passage, and you, how many people already have quite a few preconceived notions of God, and they don't seem to be willing to align with what the word really says? I would challenge you you might have been in the faith for 30, 40, 50 years. But that does not make you an expert on God. In fact, many of things about God are a mystery to all of us. But be willing to read the Word, and you get yourself aligned with the Word instead of trying to align the Word with what you already believe. That, I believe, is a really critical Point. Study the word alone and with others. We've already talked about that. Write down the word. Take notes. Highlight your Bible. Don't be afraid to highlight your Bible. The last one I'm not going to get into at all because it's way too much. But there are different approaches. You've heard of dispensationalism or covenant theology, or new covenant theology. There's different approaches to the way people look at and study the Bible. I'm not going to pretend to tell you that one is right or wrong. I have my own opinion. But whether you study the Bible overall in a thematic way from six or seven dispensations or whether you study it from sort of a covenant perspective of here's four or five really significant critical covenants from Abraham all the way to Christ that we see outlined in the Bible. Just, just realize that there are different thematic approaches to how you study the Word. I'll close with this. I, this is key principles regarding Bible study. Number one, the Holy Spirit can teach those who are spiritual. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 14, if you want to write that down. Number two, it's critical to apply the Scriptures to your life. I'll say that one more time. It's critical to apply the Scriptures to your life. John 5, verse 39 is a good reference for that. Number three, 
we are to reason with humanity from the scriptures. Acts 17, verses 2 through 4. And number four, as the word of God dwells in you, get this part. As the word of God dwells in you, you will do things you have never imagined because you will begin to represent Jesus in more and more and more areas of your life. And when you begin to represent Jesus and see the power of his word taking hold of people, then if we go back to the very first topic, which was the Bible is boring and who wants to study the Bible? Boy, you're just not even there anymore. There's nothing boring about the living, active Word of God. And lastly, people will not call on Jesus and be saved if they do not hear the Word of Christ. It says that in Romans 10, verses 13 through 17. So if you are here and you're of the faith, love the lost, have compassion for the lost, and proclaim the Word of God. Amen?